Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Jesus indeed is love manifest. So Jesus came to call Israel as he's speaking to them in this parable, as I'm speaking to you this morning, as he's speaking to them, he's hoping they're going to do one thing, turn around and say, God's good. You're his son. You are the Messiah. We accept you. That's the purpose of the parable, to get people to repent. That's the purpose of the gospel, to get people to repent. There are always those folks who only attend church on holidays and live out their lives with only a passing reference to the Lord now and then. If that's you, your life is totally inconsistent. Partitioning off parts of your life will only create discord and hypocrisy. God has extended an offer of salvation to you to wash away your scarlet sins and create something new as white as snow. After repentance comes obedience and a beautiful, harmonious life as a follower of Christ. Unlike our own natures, God is willing to forgive and forget, where we might only hold on to bitterness and resentment. What an amazing gift to forgive all of that. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 2, for part 2 of our message entitled, God's Offers and Man's Opportunities. Day after day, again and again, I sent you my servants, the prophets, but they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did more evil than their forefathers. So this is a historical pattern that was happening again and again and again in the nation of Israel. We want to go back and take a, a snapshot of one of the prophets and what really happened to him. So take your finger and hold it right there in the book of Mark and let's flip back to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Take your Bibles and flip back to the book of Isaiah. Let me give you a little history of Isaiah as we go there. Isaiah was a prophet of God, sent to call the nation and the leaders back to God. His book was written, his book was written in the year of 700 B.C. How many were awake then? No. Isaiah's name is this. Here's what it means. The Lord is salvation. Great name. And he came to the nation of Israel as if he would have come today to the nation of America to point out the shortcomings of the people. You see, they had persisted in sinful ways. And God was sending a prophet, just like our parable, to wake them up. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 1. Chapter 1, we'll start in verse 2. Here's what Isaiah actually says to them as he goes through. Hear, O heavens... Listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. This is a key you need to understand. When God sends a prophet, it is not the prophet's message that he's bringing. It's God's message. 
When we go through 1 Kings tonight, 14 through 16, you will see God speaking to the people through circumstances over and over and over again. This isn't people speaking. As I'm speaking to you this morning, I'm not really speaking to you. God's word is speaking to you. That's what you want to always look for in a church, that God's word is taught. If you want to know if there's churches where God's word isn't taught, let me say to you, yes, many. So notice Isaiah says, I'm coming from the word of the Lord. It isn't my message, it's from God. And here's what he says. God says, I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Now the ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manager, but Israel does not know my people do not understand. You know what God says there? He says the animals are smarter than the people. He says, Israel, and you can take yourself as Israel this morning, God's children. God's children don't even know who their father is. It's God. They're ignoring me. But the animals, they know who puts them to sleep. They know who puts the food up. By the way, who gave you the ability to work this morning? It's God. Your owner. The one that created you. So here we have a great picture of the animals being smarter than man. Look at verse 4. Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. By the way, could that be spoken to our country? Look, look at that verse. Children given to corruption. Do we have that problem in our country today? Unbelievable. They have forsaken the Lord... They have taken the Bible out of the schools. That's basically what I'm saying to you. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and they've turned their backs on Him. Skip down to verse 11. Now remember in those days, the way you worship God was to bring sacrifices, animal sacrifices. That's the way you worship God. So what does God say to them? Well, the multitude of your sacrifices, in other words, the many that you bring, what are they to me? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and fat of fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. You wonder what God really thinks? Whew. He's not leaving it out, isn't he? Can you imagine Isaiah saying this? And then he says this. New moon, Sabbath, convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. What is God saying? Do away with sacrifices? No. He says this. Your worship is totally useless. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why are you talking about that? What does it have to do with us today? Hello. When you come to church, when we sing, when we worship, are you worshiping? Well, I'm singing the songs. That's not what I ask. Are you worshiping? Is your heart here? Some of you never even get here for worship, number one. Secondly, when you come, your mind is a million miles from here. Why? Because that's what Satan wants your mind. He doesn't want you to worship. So Isaiah comes to these people, and notice all the things he says to them. Quit bringing me all these offerings. So he said, well, I put a 20 spot in there. What do you want? Man, come on. God says, I don't care about your 20 spot. I want to see if your heart's into it. 
And then he says, all these new holidays you come to me. And you come and worship on this day and that day. Some of you worship God Christmas and Easter. Hey, I'm doing the thing. God says, I don't care about the thing. So it can be spoken to our country this morning exactly the same thing. Then he goes on and he just says basically this. Your worship is to be a seven day a week experience. You see, serving God is not about an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Serving God is about 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Isaiah is saying to the people, your ritual means nothing to me. You say, well, I've done my duty for the week. If that's what you've done, it's useless to God because it has to come from our heart. Now, does it affect them anymore? You got it. Look at verse 15. When you spread out your hands in prayer, what will God do when you offer prayers? Well, God says, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Why? Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. God says, when you pray, even if there's lots of prayers, what's he say? I won't hear them. Why? Because your lives are filled with sin. You mistreat God, your wives, husbands, workers, widows. So God says, when you claim to be a Christian, somebody comes, a king's wife, and she totally just camouflages herself to go to the prophet of God because she doesn't want to admit that she's the wife of an ungodly king and their son is dying. And she goes and the, the prophet is actually blind. I think it's a great story. She puts on this whole garb to try to trick him and he's blind. But God comes before her and gives him a word of knowledge. The minute she walks into the house, he says, I know why you're here. Would that cause a little... <laughs> Guess I better go back and change the outfit. Whoa. Didn't have anything to do with the outside, did it? Because it where? Right inside. See, the Old Testament is filled with tremendous stories that hit us right where we live. Some of you this morning, you're praying many prayers, but God says, I'm not listening. You say, why aren't my prayers being answered? Because your life is totally inconsistent. The only time you think of God is here. Husbands, are you ever praying with your wife? Do you ever sit with your kids at the bedtime and pray with them? Oh, that's for the Sunday school teacher to do over there. Wives, are you submitting lovingly to your husband? Are you praying if he's an unsaved husband or are you just losing it because he isn't godly? You see, so God says, get your life right. Don't be a hypocrite. And that was the whole message from the prophet because the nation of Israel was in disaster. Not enough bad news. Let's look at the good news, verse 18. I like good news, don't you? Don't you think we need some good news today? <laughs> verse 18. So Isaiah puts this on him pretty heavy. And then he says this, come now, let us reason together. In other words, put your thinking caps on. Let's go back to the bargaining table and let's get this thing together. And here's what he says. Though your sins are like scarlet... They shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. 
Here's a great illustration. I don't know how we could ever do it, but I probably wouldn't want to do it. But just think of this. Sins he's talking about there are red. So just picture if you came this morning to church and for the last week you hadn't asked forgiveness for anything and all the sins that you and I committed were signified by red dots on our clothing. How would we look? Would you go like this? Take a look at my outfit this morning. I don't think so. They'd be totally red probably, wouldn't they? But Isaiah says, even though your sins are as crimson, if you repent and become obedient, what happens to the outfit? It becomes what? White as snow. Purity. So then we would come in and people go, wow, white shirt, man, glasses, beautiful bleach job. Who did that? God. God. And that's the hope. He's giving the nation of Israel hope. He isn't saying to them, it's too late. Some of you think it's too late for you. It's not too late for you. That's why God's patient and persistent. It's not too late for anybody. There's always hope with God. Look at verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. And here's the key to the whole passage, verse 20, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You see, it's the word of the Lord. Well, you say, Pastor Mark, what happened to Isaiah when he gave this message? In the parable, we know that these guys are beaten and what, what happened to Isaiah in this? I mean, is this, this is a picture of the parable you're teaching this morning. It is, exactly. What happened to the prophet Isaiah? By the way, the prophet Isaiah was a real man. Just like you and I. He was a real person. What happened? After 50 years of prophesying this, you know what they did with him? The nation of Israel took him, laid him down, and cut his body in two. Does it fit our parable? Absolutely. They killed him. You see, and as Jesus is giving this parable, these Jewish leaders knew the history. If I would say to you this morning, President Kennedy, President Lincoln, you know what happened to them. They knew the history of the prophets. They knew exactly what he was going and how he went. They were getting the picture. You see, it was thousand thousand years later when Jesus is speaking to these people. But the people of Israel were exactly the same. No fruit from their life. They were disobedient. They were rebellious. They were selfish. Turn back to Mark chapter 12 and we continue on. Jesus now, interestingly enough, is going to tell the Jewish leaders about his impending death. He's going to tell them, ever read a murder mystery? You go to the back of the book, you want to see how it turns out? and you, You just can't wait? You go back there? Well, this is what Jesus is doing. He's showing them what exactly is going to happen in his life. Look at verse 6. Well, what does the owner do after all of this abuse to his servants? Well, it says this. He had one left to send. A son. And who is the son? It's Jesus. Whom he loved, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. John 3.16. He sent him last of all, saying, they will respect my son. Now some of you look at this passage and go, what kind of owner is this? Is he naive? I mean, they've killed everybody he sent. Why in the world would he send his son? Why? Did God know that they were going to kill his son? Yes, he did. It's because God's loving and persistent 
and patient. You see, in those days, if a son came to the vineyard, the son of the owner, the people working the vineyard, here's their thought process. The owner himself must be dead. So he's sending his son. So his son is the only heir left. If he's the only heir left, and we're farming the property, and we get rid of the only heir left, where does the property go? Goes to us. This is exactly what they're thinking, and it was very common in those days. Well, look at verse 7. But the tenants or the farmers said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him. And the inheritance, indeed, will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. That is a picture of Jesus prophesying his own death to what these people were going to do. He told them they were going to do this and throw him outside of the city. Spurgeon says, when you look at God, here's what he says. If you reject him, he answers you with tears. If you wound him, he bleeds out cleansing. If you kill him, he dies to redeem you. If you bury him, he raises again to bring new life through resurrection. Jesus, indeed, is love manifest. So Jesus came to call Israel As he's speaking to them in this parable, as I'm speaking to you this morning, as he's speaking to them, he's hoping they're going to do one thing. Turn around and say, God's good. You're his son. You are the Messiah. We accept you. That's the purpose of the parable, to get people to repent. That's the purpose of the gospel, to get people to repent. When we see the goodness of God, that's what God's goal is. Now we come to an area you probably won't like, but it's number four. The certainty of God's justice and judgment. The certainty of God's justice and judgment. Look at verse 9. Well, if they've killed the owner's son, verse 9 says, What then will the owner of the vineyard do? Put yourself in that shoe. You're the owner of the vineyard. They killed your son. What are you going to do? What is fair to do? In the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus turned to the, to the rulers and said to them, You're the owners of the land. What would you do? And they answered him. Look what they answered him in verse 9. Well, the owner, he will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to other. In other words, the fair and just thing to do for the owner was to come and punish the farmers. They'd had so many chances. They'd blown it. And give the land to somebody else who could produce a harvest and share that harvest with the owner. Now, when you look at that, it's amazing to me. When you look at God, some of you this morning are like these farmers. Do they think they can totally ignore the owner of the land that they're working? Do they think that God is absent from the scene and doesn't have a clue as to what's happening? Do they believe by putting God out of their mind, they can act and do whatever they want and get away with it forever? That's the way our world thinks today. Well, just put God in the background. Yeah, there's a God. Big deal. There's a God. Sure, there's a God. Put him in the background of my mind. If I put him out of my mind, 
That means he doesn't know what's happening in my life. Hello. Do you think that's true? Interestingly enough, we see that the fair thing to really do is to take the vineyard from those who have failed it and give it to somebody else. That is justice. That is God's justice. You see, the farmers were really unaware of any judgment that come. They hadn't received any before. And this is the kicker. Fifty years Isaiah's abused. And the people of Israel see no God's justice, so I can get away with it. My friend this morning, God's grace and patience one day will run out in your life. You see, you need to hear about the judgment and justice of God. Now, when we present that, people don't like it. I particularly don't care for it myself. But I don't want to hear about His justice and His judgment. Somehow, people think if God's going to judge the world, that's unfair. But no, like the parable, it's very fair and it's very reasonable. No doubt you've heard somebody say to you, Why would a loving God send someone to hell? God never sends anybody to hell. Man always chooses of his own will to reject God and sends himself to hell. I read this week a very interesting statement. It said this, I like it, it said this, If you choose to go to hell, you will have to step over the cross of Jesus to get there. You see, it comes to a personal decision. Notice by the answer, the answer the religious leaders say is, judge the farmers and give the land to somebody else. What have they just done? They judge themselves. And immediately in this parable, they're beginning to go, whoops. This isn't about me being the owner. Jesus is talking to me about being the farmer. And he's just saying to me that God is going to come and he's going to judge the nation of Israel and its religious leaders and take their vineyard and transfer it to somebody else. Could that happen? It did happen. That's exactly what the parable was saying and what Jesus was saying to them. Look at verse 9, the end of it. And give the vineyard to others. Well, who is that others? It's us. It's Christians. Remember, let me go back through it again quickly. Here's what happened. Jesus came and he said to Israel, your goal was to present God as the one true God. You failed in that. Your goal number two was to present the world, the Messiah, Jesus, because he was going to come to save the whole world. You are indeed rejecting me, not even just rejecting me in a couple days. You're going to kill me. So the owner, who is who? God says, I'm taking the privilege that I gave you in the vineyard, and I'm transferring it to the New Testament church. That's you and me if you're a Christian this morning, Jew and Gentile alike. And now my responsibility and your responsibility as a Christian is to do what Israel couldn't do or refused to do. It's to take the good news to the whole world. Today in the parable of the man in the vineyard, we saw how the greedy farmers killed the son in order to protect their own interests. This went straight to the heart of the matter regarding the priests who sought only to serve themselves. 
Jesus' point of this parable was to bring them to repentance, which is the point of the gospel. He wants us to recognize our sin and turn, once and for all, to a loving, gracious Lord. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we will consider what the owner of the vineyard should do, which will reveal our own hearts in comparison to God's. We'll also be challenged to consider the consequences of continuous rejection of his offer, how a man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will be destroyed. Those words may not be ones that you want to hear, but are certainly ones that you need to hear. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.